Welcome to BSD Talk, number 123. It's Monday, July 30, 2007. In the news, the OpenBSD Foundation was created in order to support OpenBSD and related projects. This is mainly for large donations. For small individual donations, the old methods are the way to go. All right, now on to the interview. Today on BSD Talk... We're speaking with Worley, the Chief Architect of Open Source Strategy at BMC Software. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. So could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes, yeah, so I'm the Chief Architect of Open Source Strategy for BMC Software. And for those in the audience who don't know who BMC is, uh, we're a company that provides system management tools to many companies around the world. We have about 15,000 customers in about 160 countries. We're actually the eighth largest software company uh, in the world, and uh, I was hired about four months ago to help the company integrate an um, open source strategy into its business model, and uh, I'm at OzCon this week talking about just that. Could you describe some of the basic products that BMC provides for customers? Sure. Um, most people in your audience may know our Remedy product line, which uh, is one of the uh, the more well-known, but also a lot of them may know what we've now converted to a new name, but used to be called Patrol, which was for large-scale network uh, monitoring. We also have two really exciting things going on right now, which is our Atrium CMDB, and the project that, that I kind of like the most is my personal favorite, which is a dashboard, uh, enterprise dashboard, that takes all of the data from the enterprise network and using um, Adobe's Flex and Flash delivers uh, some really great analysis and visualization of uh, kind of the status of your enterprise network and different changes you're making and things of that nature. And when I think of BMC, I usually think of mainframe management software. Is it more than just that? Yes, it is. And it's great that you asked that because the company was founded in 1980, and it did do a lot of mainframe management software, and we still to this day continue to do that. Uh, It makes up a good portion of our business. But BMC right now is really about our BSM strategy, and that's business service management. And so business service management, for those in the audience who are familiar with ITIL and and kind of how you align the needs of the business with IT and vice versa, that's what we're all about. BSM is the most effective approach for managing IT from the perspective of uh, business. And some of the key things would that would happen is, you know, you can save a lot of substantial uh, cost in your uh, budget by doing things like um, optimizing the cost, controlling uh, the IT complexity through data center optimization, and, uh, uh, you know, you can prevent service disruptions through uh, proactive incident and uh, problem management, and uh, you can also do things like delivering uh, better service quality and reducing the support costs by unifying some of the service level management. And, of course, things like compliance that a lot of big Fortune 500 and and Global 2000 customers, which a lot of those companies are customers are worried about, is is a big part of that as well. Could you talk a little bit about why you were hired and the project you were hired to lead? Sure. I was hired out of a company called Clusters, and uh, there I had uh, been given the opportunity to do a project I've been wanting to work on for a long time, which is true open source systems management. I think that systems management the key to kind of modernizing that business and also pushing forward, you know, kind of the the capabilities 
are going to depend more and more on, on collaboration and, and even some coopetition from certain entities. And so I had done a project called OpenQRM, which was the most successful open source systems management project to date and still used a lot. And uh, PMC had saw that as well as a work I did with uh, a couple of uh, co-conspirators in founding a group called the Open Management Consortium, which uh, ties together the open source projects so that they can kind of compete on comprehensiveness uh, but it also is a organization focused on customer and user experience, not on getting the little guys to fight the big guys or, or, or anything other than finding out what the customer's needs are and driving uh, that to all of the entities. So uh, a great example is uh, unified agent models and things like that. There's a couple different projects we have going there, and those are open to HP and IBM and CA and, of course, BMC, just as they are to, you know, Nagios or Hyperic or Xenos or any of those companies. So they had seen all of that work, and they basically asked me to come on board and, and lead the open source program at BMC. And I had a lot of job options at this time, and it's really important for everybody to understand why I joined BMC, uh, because one reporter wrote, uh, one analyst, rather, wrote a story called What the Hell Happened, BMC Got Cool, uh, that was James Governor from Red Monk. And then uh, a reporter wrote a story called Nixon Goes to China. And that's kind of what people seem to, to think about, you know, the open source guy going uh, to the, you know, 27-year-old proprietary company. But the reason I chose BMC was not only because of the, the honesty and, and the ethical integrity of the company, but also because, I, you know, I had a lot of uh, people that I really respect in this industry that worked there, Jim Grant, who worked on OpenView at HP, and Tom Bishop, who was the CTO at Tivoli, and Kia Bonilla, who was the CTO at uh, Marimba. So they put together a really good team in the last few years, and um, I really enjoy working with these guys, and so that was a big part of it. And the other part was that when I talked to the management, they said, uh, we want to do open source, but we want to do it right. Any big company in their position can go and use it as a marketing ploy or go and invest a little money in you know, foundations or, or projects and say, hey, look how great we are. Uh, and they're not really interested in that. Uh, they really want open source to be a big part of uh, the model, and they really want to do it right. And so I was basically told upon uh, making the final decision that um, if I couldn't come in and show them how to do it right and, and, and not to do just what everybody else is doing in open source, but really kind of stretch the boundaries and the limits and do some new and exciting things, then, uh, you know, don't, don't take the offer. <laughs> And do you think BMC is looking to open source all their existing products or develop new open source products or maybe a mixture of the two? So this is an excellent question. And so the answer is we already have what I think is a great community in these 15,000 customers I mentioned. And we, if you look at budgets and how much of companies' budgets are invested back in R&D, we're one of the top in the world. And R&D to us does mean getting out in the field, working directly with the customers, we have a lot of customers that are very involved in the development of our products. And so to me, we already kind of have the community aspect of that, and now it's time to kind of broaden that out and take all of that that has been developed over the past uh, 27 years and, and kind of mix it, if you will, with the open source community and the open source systems management stuff that I'm doing. As far as will we open source all of our products, uh, you know, what I was hired for was very specific. I was hired to build a business model in which open source wasn't an afterthought or a redheaded stepchild. And so that means that everything I'm doing is driven by the community. This week when we announced the BMC Developer Network, we've been working with many partners and customers 
and, and some other organizations and, and projects to get that site developed. And so every feature you see, all the integration products that we released this week that you see, were all done by users. And so if users said, hey, we think there's a value to open sourcing something out of your product line, obviously, then that would be taken uh, to consideration and, and given a, a great deal of thought. And at the end of the day, we make decisions based on what's best for our customers. And so uh, I, I want to say everything's fair game, but also, you know, when I went out to customers and asked them what they wanted, nobody said, hey, can you open source uh, product A, B, or C, they said, hey, you need to realize that we're going to have more than just BMC products in these giant uh, infrastructures. And if you could integrate with some of these competitors uh, so that we can take that data, put it in, and get the value of BSM out because they're very focused on, on, on the value that they get out of that, then that would be uh, that, that would be their immediate need. Now, we also this week had a couple of people mention uh, virtualization management on the mainframe. And so we already have a project underway under that where we will actually create original BMC IP that will come out under the BMC developer network that will help with that. So it's not a matter of do I open source a product or do I not. It's a matter of what do the customers want me to do because the whole point of open source at BMC is user-driven innovation. And so you know, part of that is the reason we selected the license we did. Part of that is the reason that we developed the site that we did. So you will not make us see a move without our users uh, standing side by side with us. And so the view of the community is not that we've built this community for them. Uh, we've built it with them, and we're a member of, those, of, of this community just like they are. So this is much more proactive in the leadership. It's also much more, I want to say it's, it's, it's a lot closer to being truly open uh, than many of the other programs you see from uh, corporations that are, uh, that are active in, in the open source community. So the BMC Developer Network, this is more than just BMC releasing tarballs? Yes, absolutely. This is a, a way for us to give customers voice in an open forum, uh, not just with BMC and with our engineering teams, but also with each other and with our partner network, which is very extensive. So we have thousands of people in the partner network. And this is a great way of, of creating a spanning layer, if you will, between the partners and the users and the customers that are writing the check for those users to use the product and the engineering teams at BMC and the people that are driving uh, the BSM vision forward. So there's a lot of different features on it. We do have, obviously, polls and ways of people providing feedback directly, but we've also included on it all of our blogs and podcasts from Talk BMC, which we're actually expanding on, as well as the downloads that you mentioned. So we have zips and tarballs of these first four integration projects, and then we have resource centers. So if you look at our product line, we started with five major development centers on the site. There's one for BMC's atrium. There's one for the BMC Foundation. There's one for change and configuration management, one for service impact and event management, and then finally one for service management. And so these, you know, if you go to the site and you, you check one out and say, you, you know, you pick out Atrium or whatever, then that covers the CMDB data model and the uh, reconciliation engine, the uh, enterprise um, integration engine. I, I think it's also got the definitive software library as part of that as well. But basically, this is where people can come and blogs and podcasts talk about things specific to deploying that, to using it, to best practice, things of that nature, and as well as you can go and get a lot of white papers and documentation, API, technical papers, so on and so forth. So it's very, very much about creating a channel, if you will, through open source to communicate better with our, our potential customers, our existing customers, and uh, 
you know, even uh, people that, that might be normally in this market space considered uh, competition so that we're doing, uh, being the company that's being proactive and doing what's best for the user. Who has commit access to the source code for these projects? Is it just employees within BMC? So, so actually, that's an excellent question. So some of these projects were created by BMC engineers and customers. Some were created with partners. So there's a wide variety of people who have that access. But you bring up a, a very, very viable uh, part of this whole network, which is where is the source code? And right now, we don't have a source code. We don't have a source code because we went out and we had about 500 users using the site, and they've helped us develop this over months and months of work. And none of them, and none of them were source code repository because a lot of them have, um, you know, if you look at some of the government agencies, they have to download it, take it in, and put it in their own stuff anyway. They're not going to connect to the external one. Uh, a lot of the big customers have their own development teams. So right now, the community hasn't really been crying out for a place to create new projects like a SourceForge or a place to um, actually have like a subversion or something running. So there's not one. The code is just out there, completely freely available. And then if people send us modifications or want to post, then they can do that. The way the BMC Developer Network is set up is that we can extend um, you know, different levels of editorial and administrative privileges. So you're going to start seeing us have partners who do blogs and podcasts as well as might modified code and upload it with a, a different version. Uh, you know, like I said, this community is, is truly belongs to the community. And I'm hoping that some people will have enough interest that they'll want to build projects and that we'll, we'll be asked to go out and do a, you know, a subversion repository or, or whatever the case may be. But so far, what you see is what the users themselves have built. And when people want to become involved in this community, is it just a simple sign-up on a website, or is there a more formal process to become a participant? No. So here's the way it works. So with the BMC section of the site, then there are certain things that you have to do. You have to sign up to do. And the sign-up is, you know, of course, we're a, we're a very large publicly traded company, so legally we have to say, you know, are you a citizen of the U.S. or somewhere else? And, you know, there's all these questions that none of us like. We'd get rid of them if we could, but we can't. But on the open source section of the site, you can do everything you want except for post to the forums or vote in the, in the, uh, the polls completely free. You can come download code. You can view all the forums. You can view all the technical documentation. You can do everything you want and you don't have to, to be signed up as a member for the open source section. But we felt that you know if you're going to post to the blogs and if you're going to vote the polls, then asking you to register uh, was, was a fair thing since that's kind of standard on a lot of websites. And what was your feel for the internal culture within BMC around open source? Um, I generally assume that most programmers today are at least familiar with it, but it might be hard for some companies to have that conceptual shift from closed software to open and often, you know, embarrassing software. I know when I put my code out there, I'm always cringing because I know it really probably looks pretty bad. It's kind of funny. I'll tell you a story. There's a guy named Carl Fogel. I was on a panel with him yesterday here at OzCon, and he's written an incredible book called Producing Open Source Software. And he talks about everything he needs to know from repositories to handling flame wars to just everything. And he's a great story about how that openness can, can draw criticism and be a, a, a detractor in communities and so on and so forth. And I have my own personal story, which is at, at one of my previous employers, I realized uh, years and years ago that the biggest problem with launching an open source project uh, with code that has been previously closed source proprietary is that uh, the developers get put in a very awkward situation. 
and that is now that the code's out there, there's some 14-year-old kid who just did his first uh, database course or whatever at his local high school, and uh, he looks at what you did and he looks at what he was taught, and he's like, well, that's not what I was taught. You must be wrong, right? And so you have some developer that's been developing software for 20 years who is who is now getting berated, you know, possibly publicly in a forum or whatever by a you know, someone that they have, someone that uh, you know, they have kids older than them, right? So there's a there's these weird kind of social, kind of social political situations that can come up. At BMC, one of the selection criteria I had for new employers was who do they have there that gets open source, and do they really get it, and what have they done? And so when I started looking at that, there's a guy, a good friend of mine now, named Steve Carl, who writes a blog on BMC's website and has for quite some time called Adventures in Linux. Uh, he's also a contributor uh, to Mint and several other projects, and so that was like, wow, that's a you know that's a good sign. And I met a lot of other people like like Steve at the company as well. And then when I went around and I talked to developers when I first took the job, I found that everybody in general is very excited about how they can use open source, how they can participate. And as I was learning how excited they were, I also learned that they've been contributing to a lot of projects for quite some time. So BMC, I think, has a, the, the hurdle that we have to overcome isn't transitioning the developers to an open mindset. It's actually getting some credibility built in the community for part of what's already been done and then for you know all of the new stuff that we're doing. A lot of people um, don't know it, but BMC has released open source projects for a number of years, including uh, the CMSFS, which is a file system, and FU, LogMV, and uh, Midwatch, just to name three. So... BMC's contributed stuff, and if you go and dig through mailing lists and search mailing lists and search com email addresses, you can find some of those. But they've never been really uh, boastful or uh, telling in doing it. Uh, they've just done it because it's all the need for a customer and something needed to be put. You know, like CMSFS, uh, Steve, and, and and those guys and the team that works on it. Uh, they just did it, and so um, you know, I think I'll have a bigger challenge in. Uh, Making sure that they, uh, you know, that we get everything documented and that we can let people know when I do interviews like this what we have done and, and what we're doing and what different developers are involved in in their spare time, uh, then I will getting the developers to think about open source because uh, I think the company is very, very well versed in it and I think the developers are, are, are actually excited. I had a lot of people that said, well, finally, there's someone here who has open source in their title. And uh, that means, you know, my mailbox got flooded with, we've been waiting for this. Here's a whole bunch of open source ideas. So I spent the first three months just talking to customers and, and engineers within BMC trying to play catch-up to uh, how much uh, activity there is in open source and, and really understanding how much love BMC already has for the open source community. Probably a loaded question given the nature of this podcast. When you did start this open source strategy, this new strategy, what license did you choose to release your software under? Wow, that's not loaded at all. <laughs> no, uh, we chose to license software under the BSD license. And let me tell you uh, why we chose that. BMC, you know, like I told you earlier in the interview, when the management team hired me, they said, you know, if you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. And we came up with a policy that is a single permissive license. And what we mean by that, and that's the corporate speak, is that we don't want to be like a lot of the other major corporations that have 30, 40, 50 different projects under the 20 different licenses. It's very confusing for users. If people are wanting to try to build onto the project or integrate it with other projects, it can become instantly uh, you know, a mire of legal issues and concerns and worries, and they can't actually get their work done. So BMC believes that if you're going to be open, you've got to be truly open all the way. 
And so we're advocate of the BSD, both I am personally as well as we are as a company, and we're always going to license projects under the most permissive license available. Perhaps that's BSD in every case, maybe in the future. I can't imagine what they would knock out of the BSD license, but uh, <laughs> it was updated and, and became more per- permissive, well, we would, we would go with that. And it's important to understand why. We want to give as many rights as possible to our community. And while there's a ton of other OSI-approved licenses, and obviously everybody has asked me here this week, why not the GPL? And so I wrote a blog post. My blog is at opensville.org called The Death of a Software License. And I, I'm not a huge critic of the GPL, and I think that you know the FSF has done some fantastic work and, and certainly done a lot to, to evangelize openness in general. But I see the GPL going in a different direction than the developer community. And so when you start adding more and more complexity to license, when you start adding more and more restrictions, and developers nowadays are seeking more and more freedom, then you're at odds with your community. And I don't think that's ever a good thing. And at BMC, when I was looking at all of the licensing options I could have picked, I also looked at the MPL. And I said, well, every MPL I see, people modify it. And they modify it with attribution. It's like, well, you know, the attribution is kind of already there in the copyright. And I can do that with the BSD, right? I don't need an attribution clause. And and also, if you're seeking attribution, uh, if you go and read some of the ways some of these companies do it, they say, well, if you build a product off of ours, you can do that, but you have to put our logo on every screen, or you have to put our logo on your you know website, or whatever it may be. And all of that that I've just talked about to me starts sounding like it's not actually that open. To me, open source and being open with your community is more of, of, of an off-on state. You either are or you aren't. You can't be halfway open or only open in certain cases. So, you know, it was very great working with the legal team at BMC who had no issue with BSD, who thought it was very appropriate for what we're trying to do on our strategy. So I didn't even, you know, I can't tell you any kind of horror stories because uh, BMC gets it and they get openness and the approval process uh, didn't take very long at all. And uh, when we announced it, I've had everybody coming up, some good friends of mine from the open source community that run some of the other projects at big companies and, and run some of the more notable projects, all said, well, why didn't you do an Apache? Why didn't you do you know, this license or that license? And many of them thought that what we're doing is very risky. And I think what they're doing is very risky. I think when you limit the creativity of your users, either from a licensing standpoint or by not providing them the services that they need or the tools that they need, that's where you start running into problems. By being this open, by using the BSD, if you know a partner wants to take this software that we released yesterday and they want to build a commercial product off of it and sell it, they have that right. And, and guess what? If I'm going to be truly open, then I have to extend that right to them. And if they don't want to give their changes back, then that's between them and a much larger community, not them and me. And trying to, you know, the, the difference I see in the value I see in the BSD is understanding the difference between control and influence. BMC wants to influence our community, obviously build it, drive BSM further into the market, and, and, and really get systems management uh, tools working the way they should be. We don't want to control it. And so when you look at some of these other licenses, uh, I think that, they, uh, that they're just too restrictive to tr- build a, a sustainable viable ecosystem around a project. So if people want to go find this software and start participating in the community, where should they go? They can go to developer.bmc.com or they can also go to dev.bmc.com, which is like the shortest developer website name on the planet. 
And are you working on any other projects, either within BMC or on your own? Yeah, so I'm an advisor to Nagios. So Ethan Zolstad and I are good friends, and I help him out where I can. He's done a fantastic job of uh, building community over there, as well as Jim Nasby, Decibel, and uh, myself and a couple of others are, have been talking about kind of breathing uh, uh, some new life into the OpenSIMS project, which is a security infrastructure management system that we created when we were at Symbian. So between that and the, my position at the OMC, then I've been keeping fairly busy. And are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about today? I just want to say something, and, and I know this is sort of preaching to the choir because the BSD audience obviously gets this more than you know a lot of a lot of communities. But uh, there was there was a quote I saw once that I thought really summed up what we should all be thinking about as we build these open source communities, and that was from uh, Henry Louis Gates, uh, and he said, "Collecting data is only the first step toward wisdom." But sharing data is the first step toward community. And I think that a lot of people in for the corporate side think that if they open source source code, the community will come and it'll be great and famous and then they'll learn how to monetize it and all. And I think a lot of the people from the open source side think that, oh, they can just take a project and, and do the same thing. And communities aren't really about the source code. I mean, the thing that we should all remember is that software is software is software. There's no difference at all whatsoever between proprietary and open source software. The difference is in the community. The difference is in the interaction. They both have a license. They both have to have code. They both have to be compiled, so on and so forth. And so really, it's, it's a fundamentally different mindset in how you gather information from users to build things closer to what they want. How do you support them? How do you get other people uh, making these different connections? And so, you know, I think that... Um, that our first move out of BMC has put us firmly on a stance of, you know, obviously people know where we're coming from and they see that we do understand community probably a lot more than we've been given credit for. But I hope also that other people in our industry, in systems management, uh, as well as in other industries, would be willing to uh, start looking at things like the BSD license and would start looking at what truly being open means. Truly being open means if... Uh, I do a project. I have a new project that I can't, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about because, like you said, the, the code is probably not really that great that I'll be releasing under the BSD. That, um, you know, if somebody takes it and they go and they get VC funding or they make a million dollars or whatever, the BSD isn't going to allow me to do anything like, you, you have to get that back or, you know, any of the, the claims of these other licenses. And I think that's a really good thing. I think for the overall value delivered to users, which are who we should all be thinking about every day, if someone comes up with something better and they come up with a fair market price for it and somebody wants to pay that, that's great. And the same way, and the same way that other people sold and they want to take that BSD license software and modify it and, and advance it so that it does the same thing for free, that's great as well. But those are decisions that are made out by the individuals doing those projects and then they're judged by a much larger community. Uh, like I said, it's about influence trying to drive things in a better direction for the users, not control and trying to, you know, become a, a dictator of uh, some community or thiefdom, if you will, of uh, software. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I'd love to do it again at any time. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 123.